welcome back to the emergency goalies. And, you know, as we were uh, saying, the Blackhawks are uh, the greatest team in the NHL and we expect nothing but victories. Okay, well, we didn't say that, but uh, they went straight. What we're getting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we've, we're going to keep saying this all season. They're not a very talented team, but they certainly play hard, and you can't complain about this week, 3-0. and Yeah, it, the – Difference between last year's team and this year's team is stark uh, from what we've seen in the early going. Speed and the size improvements are noticeable. This is a very straightforward, go up and down the ice, skate hard team, forecheck hard, backcheck hard, play responsible. Um, you know, only four check with two forwards, keep a third guy high. And in the defensive zone, the defenseman seems so much more comfortable playing zone as opposed to man. We're seeing them constantly flip sides and guys, you know, play left side, right side, who, you know, whatever they need to um, when they're, um, you know, back in transition, uh, just all of the handoffs are much better than they ever were under Colleton. Where the elephant in the room, the coaching is just way better. It, it definitely. Um, it it just seems night and day. Uh, you know, there's it it they they have had a, a couple of rough starts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they the those first three victories they did fall behind two to nothing. Um, although really only the Seattle game was the one where <clears throat> I think they really, really got outplayed in the first period. I, I think that Seattle game could have very easily been like five to nothing after the first period. That's how that was probably their their worst period of the season. Uh, but after that first period, uh, they played really well um, and obviously fought back. And, you know, they it wasn't Patrick Kane, but they came back and uh, kind of stole that game late and got a victory as opposed to a tie or a loss. And Yeah, the resiliency. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, the, the players are believing right now. They they believe in themselves. They believe in their coaching staff and it's, it's showing through. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably most um, obvious on the penalty kill. Uh, I mean, they're not only shutting down the opposition, but you know, the four shorthanded goals um, I think is a testament to their aggressiveness as well as their structure. Yep. And also, their improved speed. Um, all of those things are, are going hand in hand, and I, I I think the penalty kill is the best example of that. I will say the numbers are still a little skewed on the um, penalty kill because that first game against the Avalanche, where they gave up like three or four power play goals, yeah, that's thrown out the percentage. 
But since then, yeah, it, they've been lights out. No, well, not uh, lights out isn't even the best description because they've been outscoring <laughs> the opposition um, I mean, when they've been down since that Colorado game. The game um, against the Panthers on Tuesday night, I mean, they were seriously, would they have six penalties, seven mm-hmm. penalties? They killed uh, them all, but. Yeah, and I mean, I think five of them came within like a 10-minute span. And, you know, there was a five-on-three in there. And, you know, they killed them all off successfully, got a standing ovation from the crowd. You know, so that does all speak to how well things are kind of going right now. Um, But I think it does still speak to some of the issues that are probably going to, you know, pop up. You look at that Panthers game, they ended up having to take a bunch of stick penalties. Yeah. Same thing happened in the Avalanche game. Yeah, it worked out in that game, but if you give a team like the Panthers that many chances normally, you are going to pay. Right. I mean, Staylock played out of his mind, and yeah, you got a little bit uh, fortunate on the the penalty kill. Um, But yeah, I think it's still fairly evident that against the top teams in the NHL, uh, the Blackhawks are talent deficient. I mean, Colorado outskated them, outskilled them significantly. Florida, um, I think maybe, you know, the first half of the game, first two periods were maybe a little surprised by the amount of fight in the Blackhawks. But, you know, they came out in that third period and Florida turned it up and they got all those power play opportunities. They scored goals five on five. They just couldn't, they, you know, they couldn't score. Yeah. The power play. Like, um, when they got to within a goal with seven yeah. minutes left, you were thinking they're probably not going to get through this, but. Right. But we've also seen that against the bad teams and against kind of the middle tier teams in the NHL so far, the Blackhawks have acquitted themselves fairly well and you can you can do that when you're trying hard yeah they might not be as bad as dare i say the blackhawks hoped they would be yeah yeah um it's it's possible um uh, i think uh the now do they trade away people then to try to ensure that uh, well, I mean, I think that's going to happen regardless whether they're playing well or not. Um, but uh, I think we're about to see, you know, we're, we're about to see how they this this roster gets tested with uh, the injury to uh, to Tyler Johnson, who has been leading the team in scoring through the first six games and left uh, last night's game in a walking boot. Yeah, did not look good. Did not look good. Uh, we don't have uh, any further information at this time, but uh, it, it looked fairly significant. And, you know, he's a guy that kind of looked like an old, his old self yes. um, to some extent. Um, you know, I mean, he's 32. He doesn't skate as well as he used to. Yes, he, but 
looked much he, better than he has recently. Exactly. He looked healthy and ready to perform on a nightly basis. Jonathan Taves has kind of looked the same way. So that's a couple of guys that we weren't necessarily expecting to be quite as good early on as they well, have. Ask you, speaking of that, um, can this third line, Lafferty, Dickinson, and Kurachev, mm-hmm. keep this going? Because they look very good. Yeah, that's definitely been the um, other thing that I think has been, you know, a surprise in the early going. Um, obviously the Dickinson addition right before the start of the season uh, was one that, you know, we obviously didn't anticipate during the off season. Uh, And so between Taves and Johnson kind of playing pretty well, and then that the addition of Dickinson and that, like you said, that third line finding some really nice chemistry so far. um, You know, I think it's lengthened the lineup uh, through these first six games far more than we expected it to. And, you know, uh, the, the Hawks are still struggling a little bit five on five at times, and that's going to continue. You're, and you're not going to continue to get four shorthanded bowls. No. Um, and I think the other kind of warning bell that's kind of gone off for me the last two games Um it's been the Seth Jones, Jack Johnson pairing. Yeah. Uh, I think through the first three or four games, those two guys played pretty well together. Um, they've been significantly underwater the last two. Yes. And that makes me feel a little better is that <laughs> and, um, Murphy have both look good. Yes. Um, you know, I think Murphy looks kind of like he did a couple of years ago. And, you know, I brought up playing the zone defense is, mm-hmm. uh, I think, much more suited to his skill set, especially at this point in his career. Um, I, kind of in uh, conjunction with the Jack Johnson, maybe some of that <laughs> early season magic wearing off. I also think Jared Tonorti has started to show a little bit more of his limitations, mm-hmm. um, but he's still been fairly solid and, you know, but Jack Johnson, first pairing Jared Tonorti, second pairing. Yeah, I, I, that's just, it's not going to hold up. Yes. Um, the one thing that might, you know, kind of cushion that inevitable, um, decline is uh, Jake McCabe returning sooner than we expected. And I think he's been pretty solid. Um, yeah, now, obviously he's been on the third pairing. He hasn't been pushed a lot yeah. um, he, up to this point, but I think a couple of nice plays. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, last year it seemed like every time the puck was on his stick, something bad happened. I mean, he was fumbling pucks. He was making bad passes. That hasn't happened through these first three games. He's been making tape to tape passes and making quicker decisions. Um, You know, he's not a guy that's going to skate around the opposition, but he's protecting the puck better than he did last year. And I think it's leading to better transition. Uh, And that camera Murphy will be moved up into the spot that Jack Johnson's in right now. I, 
to me, yeah, I, I think it's sort of inevitable that we're going to see McCabe get paired with either Jones or Murphy. Uh, it, at some point, the wheels are going to fall off of Johnson or Tenorti, and it's just going to force the Blackhawks' hand. And so, yeah, I mean, that's where you'll kind of see, uh, you know, the questionable depth. That's, you know, when, when does that start showing? And then, like I said, with Tyler Johnson going out, yeah, you know, how does the top six respond to that? You know, are they going to be forced to move a guy like Philip Kurashev up, who's been playing fairly well and, you know, probably deserving of an opportunity in the top six, but then that kind of, you know, that breaks up that third line. Yes. And, you know, is the, there's obviously going to be a net negative. And, you know, like I said, Tyler Johnson is leading the team in scoring right now. So um, you have to hope that somehow this first line can find some kind of chemistry. Yeah. Um, Game. So, but, you know, obviously Patrick Kane did score finally. um, And I think that line showed better um, against the Panthers than it had um, in the previous five games. Uh, I still see absolutely no chemistry between Anthony Sioux and Kane. Um, Anthony Sioux pops, um, continues to pop every game because of his speed and the pressure that puts on the defense and the opportunities that creates, but he doesn't involve anyone else. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing with Patrick Kane, it's all about, you know, cross ice passes and that sort of thing. And we have not seen Anthony Sioux and Kane connect on anything mm-hmm. all season. And so to me, if you are going to move somebody like Kurashev up, I'd prefer him get, moved up to the first line and then Anthony Sioux dropped down and, you know, Anthony Sioux to me screams more like a third line player where, you know, you're not necessarily expecting offensive fireworks from those guys, but, you know, he can create on his own. Um, And And I actually think um, uh, Domi's playing better. Yes. Uh, well, and he's killing in the face-off circle, which I know, is... No, that's a I could ask you, but like... I, I didn't realize that was part of his game, right. or I think that must be something fairly new. I mean, he's been just unbelievable uh, in the face-off circle, and it's hey, that's going to only help the trade value as well. So. I think the Blackhawks have needed for a long time. Yeah, you know, just having that second guy that they can count on, and yeah, I just pulled up his stats. He's never been above 48.9%. Yes. So this is, he's at 649 right now. It's like, you know, is it small sample size or? I mean, it is six games, so it's not a, a big sample size, but I mean, he's he's been so dominant, it's hard to envision it just completely falling off. Um, uh, they're just it seems like maybe he's just unlocked something or maybe he it you know he, he's never really been a full-time center as often either so maybe he's just kind of got the confidence and the workload um to kind of help him you know maybe get a little more rhythm with it and so yeah i mean he's actually taken more face-offs than than tapes have so far 
So, and yeah. so, I mean, that, that kind of speaks to the fact that they don't feel like they have to put Jonathan Taves out there for every important face-off. So big. that's big. And, you know, and then beyond that, uh, Entwistle has been solid um, taking face-offs. Him and Kara um, allow them to kind of flip off and go right, left on the fourth line um, when needed. And both of those guys have been winning about 50%. And Dickinson has been okay mm-hmm. um, on the third line. And Lafferty before Dickinson, when Dickinson was still uh, having his visa issues, um, those guys were all winning faceoffs. The Blackhawks are just winning faceoffs all the time. And that is, uh, you know, <laughs> as a team, I'm looking right now, they are 58.1%. That's not sustainable over the course of a season. That's another one of those little things where it's like, ah, this is probably going to fall off a little bit. Well, you know, it's so, funny though that I was thinking about it, but we talked about this a little bit before. But last year they started out like one and eleven. Yeah, it's just a disaster. Yeah, and this year is obviously much better than that. But just it's almost ironic that like when they were trying to go for it. Mm-hmm. They just ate it, and then this year they're trying to tank, and oh, we're winning games to start the year. So right, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously they had checked out on the coaching staff last year, um, and there was just some poor fits that eventually kind of showed out. Uh, you know, this year, obviously, I think we've got a better coaching staff in place. And while Davidson has not been acquiring um, talented players per se, he does have a type. He does want Mm -hmm. speed and forechecking and, um, you know, guys that are going to give an honest effort. And that's what we've seen through six games. We've gotten an honest effort um, every single game. And it seems like he's, um, looking for bigger players yes yeah i mean you're getting size or speed or both with like basically every acquisition that he's made and you know be it like tenorti's a huge guy you know i think the one exception would probably be like jack johnson but uh the blackhawks were kind of playing in the we're only going to sign defensemen to one-year deal sort of thing and anybody with talent that's going to be willing to take a one-year deal is going to do it with a contender. So Blackhawks were essentially buying scraps. Yeah. Um, so there's only so much you could do there, but you know, you look at every one of the forwards, be it Dickinson, he can skate and has reach Lafferty who, um, you know, uh, Davidson was both his first acquisition and his first extension. Yep. Um, embodies both of those things. He's got, speed and you know he's not like the tallest guy but he's got some heft to him and he's difficult to play against and difficult to knock off the puck um you know and you just kind of go down the list uh radish has decent size Uh, anthony siu obviously is one of the most fantastic skaters in the league Uh, blackwell good size tenacious you know and you know that those are the the, the main forward acquisitions that they've got uh, Domi, um, not a big guy, but hardworking, um, tough and a, a pretty good skater. 
um, as well. So, you know, like I said, he's got a type when he's, and it extended to the draft as well. The same sort of thing on the draft, speed, tenacity, or size, or all three. (laughs) Well, I guess um, I'll ask you then, speaking of the draft, um, the Blackhawks kind of got rid of two of their, I wouldn't say like heralded, but (laughs) well-known. Yeah. Higher draft picks. Yeah, from 2017. Mm-hmm. Traded um, Nicholas Bodin and um, Evan Barrett. Yes. So, so I decided to ask you what you thought of those moves. Uh, it, those were both Davidson doing those two guys a solid. Um, both of them had stagnated and or fallen down and out of the lineup in Rockford. Um, uh, Bodin in particular. Uh, had essentially become the seventh defenseman down there. And with the depth of uh, young defensemen that the Blackhawks have, you know, uh, it was essentially the end of the Bowman era where they, you know, they, they started drafting defensemen um, again. And all those guys are in the AHL right now. Well, a lot of them are, and it pushed Baudin out of the lineup. And so this is basically we got a forward that's been playing in the ECHL <laughs> this season for Baudin. This is not something that was designed to, yeah, not you know, get a future NHL player. Uh, it, it's basically depth for Rockford and doing Baudin a solid as a change of scenery. Um, <clears throat> I'm a little less certain on uh, the Barrett situation. Uh, he basically stagnated as a third liner in Rockford. He was putting up decent numbers through the AHL, but was never getting any closer to be being considered uh, an NHL player. We at least traded him for another solid AHL guy. Um, I don't think either these guys involved are going to, you know, uh, eventually step into the NHL, but, you know, who knows, we change the scenery, you know, yeah. maybe it unlocks something. Um, I think the two guys that the Blackhawks have traded for probably or traded out have more talent than the guys that they've brought in. But, uh, you know, like I said, Davidson has done this already a couple of times last year as well with um, guys that, you know, were not going to get another opportunity with the Blackhawks. So they just did those guys a favor essentially and moved them out and, you know, it's still just a little bit of cleaning house from the Bowman era. He, he's obviously shown no ties, no yeah, no commitment yeah, to yeah, any of them. But at the same time, he's showing hu- humanity in that yeah. he's not just burying these guys in the ECHL. Which he could. He's, he's giving them, a, a, you know, a new AHL opportunity with different organizations and hoping that, you know, it jumpstarts their career. Yeah. All right. So I guess... Now that we've covered that, um, just a little look ahead to the Black Eyed schedule the next week. Yeah, we got a game tomorrow night, um, which uh, I'm looking forward to because I'm I'm thinking I might miss Saturday night's game. So, uh, yeah, tomorrow night against Edmonton, obviously getting to see Connor McDavid is always a, a treat. But then, yeah, Saturday night, they travel to Buffalo. 
and then have a quick turnaround coming back to Chicago for a, a game against the Wild on Sunday. So that'll be interesting to see if they can kind of keep their energy up with a back-to-back road home. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they do also have another game next Tuesday at home against the Islanders. And <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of home games this past week and more home games coming up. And I think I touched on it last pod as well. The, the Blackhawks pretty much play like, I think, two-thirds of their games in the first half of the season are at home. Yeah. So if they are going to continue to play well, that's going to probably be a, a key aspect of it. So Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, hey. But I, there's nothing to complain about this week, really. I, I did, not, did not expect this, but. No, it's it, fu- it was fun. Yeah. And, yeah, just. And I guess we should, we can briefly touch on, just for like a minute, this is the one-year um, anniversary of the Jenner Block Report and everything that went down last year. And I mean, yeah, I, I think they've done a decent job. You can never be sure, but they're trying to fix the culture, but who knows? Yeah, I... <laughs> It's hard to say from the outside, you know, if there's been a culture change within the organization. Um, you know, there have been changes made. Is it window dressing? I yeah. certainly hope not. Yeah. Uh, is it real change? I certainly hope so. But, it, you know, as completely unaffiliated and not having any kind of inside information or inside view at the organization, uh, it's just not, not something that we're ever going to be able to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, All we can do is hope. Yeah. Yeah. And just and tell them out if anything comes out that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, uh, as we always say, it's a league wide problem. It's a sport wide problem. It's a sport wide problem. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, we're seeing the same type of turnover being forced on Hockey Canada right now. And it's long overdue. And um, yeah, just hopefully continuing to shine a light on, um, you know, some of the long standing issues that have rotted away, um, you know, at the sport for a while can continue to, yeah, we can just hopefully continue to see progress and have it be more inclusive and more responsible and more. Um, ethical. Yeah. You know, and I didn't want to, not to end it on a bummer, but I just thought that was important. That no, I no. I think I, I had actually completely forgotten about that. So I'm glad you remembered and brought it up. And um, if we want to start or finish on a positive note, let's say, hey, let's go get three more wins this week. That's right. Screw, screw the tank. Let's go get some wins. Right. We are firmly anti tank unless they start losing and then, well. Uh, I'm, I'm not firmly anti-tank. I don't, I, I'm, I'm okay with a tank. I'm just not okay with the players not trying. I'm okay with the front offices tanking. I'm not okay with coaches and players tanking. And yeah. so as long as these guys are trying hard, I'm going to root for them. Yeah. And if, even if that's in the second half of the season, after Davidson has stripped everything away, the players continue to play hard 
I'm going to root for them even if they lose 10 straight. Yeah. Um, it's the, uh, you know, the start of last season where they're losing 11 straight and mm-hmm. it's because they're just sloppy and not yeah. playing for their coach and not giving an honest effort. Uh, that That's when you'll see. That was my fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's see if they keep keep it going this week and we'll be back no matter what. And as always, go Hawks. Go Hawks.